Hello and welcome back to the Edge of the Box podcast, a podcast by whoscored.com in association with Ultimate Fan. We're going to start like we did last week, talking about the Predictions League, a triumphant comeback for me last week, getting nine points and putting myself on 154 points. Jonathan got seven points for him and Sam and George. Three points. What I don't understand is I remember during the recording last week, you and I were annoyed because we basically picked all the same scores. Yeah, we did at the start. And then you've got six more points than you on the week. How does that work? (laughs) I must have got the ones right that we didn't pick the same. What would be my assumption? The the two that were different. The power of the differential. I did get a couple of of scores bang on last week. Manchester United at Luton was one. I can't can't remember what what the other one was. Very lucky. Dan, your your revival there is is similar to... So, you know, Barcelona were struggling away up front with Robert Lewandowski misfiring. So they bought a new £40 million striker in, 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 in the winter window, Vitor Roque. And that, that felt, it felt like it challenged Lewandowski. And it, it, he thought, hang on a minute, I'm still, the, I'm still the top dog. And he's been on a scoring streak ever since. And it feels like Jonathan and I are now piling on the points. And you've gone, oh, OK, the running, is it? I, I needed something. Yeah. I, I definitely needed something. Well, des- well deserved. Very well deserved. It's just, tough on your own, as I said as I said, I've just compared week, you to Lewandowski, so... It is tough. Right then, let's move on to Premier League matters then. Sam, Arsenal in remarkable form, won all five Premier League games since the winter break and showing no signs of letting up in the title challenge in the Premier League, but a bad result for them last night in the Champions League. Although, you know, one nil away from home, no away goals, they don't matter now. Like, it's not a terrible result when you've still got a game to play at home. Yeah, it could have been worse. It could have been worse. And, you know, pre-game, there's a lot of energy expended on on talking about Arsenal and the fact that they hadn't been to the Champions League knockout stage for, uh, I think, seven years. Uh, the last time they were at this stage of this competition was the, was the 10-2 with Bayern. Um, it, like, it, it's been, you know, and, and a lot of people saying, oh, well, you know, they're not very experienced. You know, it might be difficult. And I always, I always wonder how much stock to put into those kind of, those discussions. And then I watched Porto, destroy that game of football like with the most incredible amount of experience and nous and just like not let Arsenal play any sort of football whatsoever and 40 well he's going to be 41 next week 41 year old next week Pepe schooling everybody on how to just rip up a script and make things so so difficult so yeah I'm just going to put that one aside um and, and focus more on the fact that Arsenal, you know, in the Premier League, in more in more comfortable s- scenarios, and particularly at the Emirates, um, have felt quite unstoppable recently. You know, three three games in the last five or six where they've they've put on five or six goals, you know, battering Palace, battering Burnley, battering West Ham, and um, while Newcastle are obviously better than those teams, they've been a bit wobbly, been a bit up and down recently, and you do get the impression, don't you, that Arsenal were just going to go ahead and resume Premier League form here and and just continue winning, um, because they are very, very good, no matter what happened at the Dragao. I've been to the Dragao, by the way. It, it's a very strange, intimidating atmosphere, and I can I can absolutely see why some of these very inexperienced players were like, oh, wow, okay, interesting. It's going to be hard to get on my game here. I think after these kind of games, I think it's the Premier League as good as we think it is. 
Because the two, like if you look at Manchester United, the way they went out in the Champions League and the groups, as I know, they're not a great barometer of the Premier League. But it was just feel like there's these kind of games where t- English teams can get scored by by opposition from from foreign countries. But you know, in Premier League terms, anyway, George, you know, they've taken over the Premier League form rankings over the last six games. Saka's number one with eight point two one. Erdegaard's third with seven point nine eight. Declan Rice is seventh with seven point seven seven. So you know, they've taken over. The, the Premier League form rankings, if you're watching via video, you'll see the rest of the players that are in that top 10. Do you think it will have any form of psychological damage on them going into, into this game? Or do you think Newcastle aren't brilliant themselves at the moment? This should be one that they, they can just win because they'll kind of reset their mindset. I think it might have some psychological damage. I think it might have a physical impact as well. Like I, I, I always think, especially this stage of the season, playing midweek um, when the opposition haven't is has like quite a, a big tangible impact, especially late on in games. Uh, and, you know, Arsenal would have felt pretty invincible, I think, going into this game against Porto. And I think had they drawn the game nil-nil, um, that wouldn't have mattered too much. But to concede really late on for a group of players to, you know, who rightly would have thought going into that game against Porto that they're one of the favourites to win the Champions League. And that is uncharted territory for the likes of Bukayo Saka, for Declan Rice, for these guys who will feel like they're, they've finally arrived at the top table of European football. And now they're having to, to think ahead to a game that is, you know, it would have been easy to prioritise the Newcastle game before that, but now they've got a, a massive game coming up at home against Porto where they have to get past a really stubborn opponent uh, from a one-goal deficit in order to, to progress in the competition. So, yeah, I kind of think that in the league, when you look at the league form, they come into this game against Newcastle fresh off two away wins where they scored 11 goals and didn't concede. But I would almost argue that the Porto game, the Porto result is, is the freshest bit of form and the most most important. Having said that, you know, Newcastle, from a defensive standpoint, even though they've improved in recent All weeks, over the shop. yeah, are still a team that you kind of feel like any team they play against are going to create loads of chances. And Arsenal, more so than any team I would say in the Premier League right now, seems to be able to create chances at will. So, I'm not overly concerned, but will it have an impact? Yeah, I think it probably will. Yeah, Arsenal's depth was something we spoke about quite a lot at the start of the season, Sam. And I do think they've got more depth in some areas than than others. But in recent weeks, you know, Jesus has been out, Trossard's been playing and just doing what he seems to do for Arsenal ever since he's joined, scoring goals. Kivior at left-back has come in and had a solid 45 minutes and then two good 90s against West Ham and Burnley. So, you know, they, they do have depth in certain areas, but those players have come in and done well. They have, yeah. Um, Trossard well, is doing... without Zinchenko. That's something I've heard a lot recently. I don't really buy into that. Uh, oh, no, hang on. Let me rephrase that. I don't think you can give a blanket answer to that question because they're fundamentally different players, right? Which means that they're going to be useful in different scenarios. And so, like, when you play against a team like West Ham, who are like very, very big, very physical, very strong from set pieces why not put your auxiliary centre-back at left-back and say, yeah, come in and, and help us level the battle you know, in the set pieces and the same maybe for you know, a game against a, a Crystal Palace or something like that. But then I was watching them play Porto last night and I was watching them completely fail to move the ball through midfield and then therefore out to the wide areas where their danger men, Martinelli, Saka, can get on the ball. And I was thinking, wouldn't it be really handy to have Zinchenko here inverting into midfield and helping feed that ball forward and helping Declan Rice with this burden of getting the ball through the lines and through the thirds? So while it was handy to have Kivior from a 1v1 defensive perspective, 
actually, I think what they needed there was a bit more punch in midfield. And I think Zinchenko would have been the guy to do it. Mm. So it's really hard to give like a, he's better than him or they're better off it because it's all situational, right? And that's exactly the situation that, you know, Mikel Arteta wants to be in. He wants to be able to consider his opponent, consider the game state and mix and match. The problem is when one of them is injured about half the time, Zinchenko, you don't always get that luxury of pairing up the right tactical matchup. And this is something that they're also struggling with, with Tomiyasu, who seems to go away on international duty, half fit and come back more broken than before. Uh, I, I don't know what's going on there. Maybe, maybe he shouldn't be allowed to go to Japan for a while because he just gets worse and worse physically. Um, but it's a good idea in theory to have these options, but it's not always coming through for them at the moment due to injuries. Well, Kibior essentially is fourth choice left back, isn't it? Because you know, Zinchenko is the number one guy. Timber would have played some football there. He started the season there mm. at left back. And Tommy Asa has also played football at left back. So Kibior is probably the fourth choice in that position at the moment, isn't it? Probably, yeah. I mean, I think he'd step in for Gabriel if, if Gabriel yeah. were to get injured as the left sided centre back. So I think he's probably yeah. second choice left centre back. But then they just, you know, Tommy Yassi played left or right. Yeah, it, it, and, and Arteta uses his de- defenders in different ways there. Um, so, yeah, he's more than just a fourth choice left back. <laughs> yeah, no, no, agree. Agre- agre- <laughs> no, I just agre- want to give agre- him his uh, in that position. A little bit more. He's fourth yeah. choice. Let, yeah. Come, come on, attack me. No, there's <laughs> no. yeah, some. Talking about attacking, George, and accurate through balls. Martin Erdegaard has made more accurate through. That was a terrible segue. <laughs> Martin Erdegaard has made more accurate through balls than any other player in Europe's top five leagues. That can't be right. 12 feels low. Now, when I'm reading it out, 12 feels low. Yeah, they're stingy on those. Always though. Lower. stingy on through Rather. balls. But... He's the best at playing through balls anyway, George. <laughs> and he is, a, he is a fantastic player. Definitely one of my favourite players to watch in the, in the Premier League. The way he manipulates the ball. He's so, so clever. Yeah, it is. And he's someone who I think is just such an essential profile to have for a team who dominate possession generally in advanced areas because he's someone who rather than being you know his ball retention is very good but he has the capability to break lines with his passing ability he has the capability to carry the ball forward too like there are you know I'm by no means comparing them stylistically generally but there are comparing De Bruyne's passing from wide is, is a completely different um quality at a different level to, to anything we see from Erdogan because he doesn't play there. But in terms of the actual roles that they play, in terms of them being so essential for their teams and being able to break down a low block, there are similarities in their importance to, to the two teams. Uh, and that's what Odegaard's so good at doing. And he's a goal threat. And he's someone who can play. He's versatile in, in terms of where he can play, either on the right-hand side of a three or he can play as a 10. Um, he's brilliant with his back to goal. He's just, he's a really clever player. He's industrious. He, The fact that he's their captain as well shows how important he is to the side. He is, you know, I think a lot of other Arsenal players um, have been given credit for their rapid ascent within the Premier League in the last couple of years. But I don't think there are too many as important as Odegaard has been in that. The Edge of the Box podcast is sponsored by Ultimate Fan, the perfect blend of fantasy football and ultimate team using packs to build the ultimate squad and trying to win some great prizes along the way. You do, of course, have to be 18 or over to take part in the game. There's more information in the description below. So if it sounds like something you'd be interested, check it out. And thanks to the guys for sponsoring the show. Bruno Gamares in the, in the Newcastle midfield, Sam, hasn't posted a rating lower than 7.00 since New Year's Day. And he's got a few games without being booked as well, which is a is a minor miracle because he was going to run of, of getting a yellow card every single game. <laughs> How elite is this player and do you expect him to be at Newcastle next season? 
Oh, we're wading into the Newcastle financial debate. If they have, I, heard if they... you, I heard something yesterday that if Dan Ashworth goes to Manchester United, Newcastle don't have to sell anyone because that helps them stay compliant. I have been wondering about this. like, But bear in mind, you know, Dan Ashworth... No, let's leave that aside for a second. Yeah. Um, let's talk about Bruno. Um, <laughs> a bit of an Encanto pun halfway. Um, yeah, Bruno is amazing. <laughs> Honestly. Oh, no, well, it's no worse than your stuff. Um, no, Bruno is definitely better than that. <laughs> Bruno is, is an amazing player. And I'm sure that um, Eddie Howe is, is sticking those who scored ratings on the wall in the dressing room and showing everyone else in the squad that Bruno is yet to dip below 7.0, the, the magical threshold yeah. this year, um, despite getting yellow cards, which will surely, surely work against his algorithm rating quite heavily. So that just shows you how good he's been. Um Look, I don't have much new to say about Bruno. I think he's absolutely amazing. I think he should play a little bit higher up in midfield and he would be even better. But even even being tasked with a, a slightly more restricted role than he probably wants, he still runs the game. And when he, he, he drifts over to the right-hand side and combines with Trippier, that's the heartbeat of Newcastle's team. And when they're on it, you're not beating them. You know? You're not stopping them from creating chances. Um, so... Nothing. I don't. I don't. Well, maybe you guys can correct me. I don't think I've seen too much changed that's changed in his role recently. I just think he's he's Bruno Gimmeration. He's really really good. And then if he has to leave in the summer, it would only be because Newcastle were up against it PSR wise, FFP wise, and it would only be for an absolute monster fee because his release clause is apparently one hundred million pounds, and his biggest suitor yes. is apparently PSB. As I say, is it PSG? They're the only ones. I don't feel like Real and, Madrid would go and pay a hundred million for him. Barca haven't got a hundred million. I, uh, I don't yeah, think I a think, Premier League team would do it. I don't think. I don't think Premier League teams can afford to do that right now. Um, although there, are, I think there would be worse ways to spend a hundred million for sure. Real Madrid are going to have to pay Kylian Mbappe more than that for a signing on bonus, so they're not going to have that. Um, and besides, they've got Camavinga and Shuamani and Fede Valverde. Every, they'll be, all the best young midfielders yeah, in the world. They'll be they'll be fine. Uh, but PSG is interesting because. You know, the way Bruno controls the tempo and how, how te- technically and tactically smart he is, he does look like a Luis Enrique midfielder to me. He he really Played does in look France like previously as well. He does look like a, a guy a guy who could really excel under that manager. Um so that would worry me, but surely it is a case of only if we absolutely have to. Do you not think George uh, this is a fantasy world I'm, I'm I'm living in here, but people do always say Arsenal will be, will be looking at a central midfielder in the in the summer. If, they could, if Arsenal could get in Bruno, that, you know that with Rice and Erdegaard, that's a very tasty midfield proposition. I, I'd be really surprised to see Newcastle sell any of their star talent to other Premier League clubs. Any if they had to for a hundred million, let's say. <clears throat> I don't know. Probably, yeah, possibly, but I, I kind of think that if, if PSG are at the are at the table then they'll they'll find a way to do that. I mean yeah, I mean obviously he'd be a brilliant signing for Arsenal. There's no denying that. Um Arsenal probably do need another one in there. Thomas Partey clearly yeah. not um going to be or seemingly not going to be part of, of Arsenal's side for, for the foreseeable. Jorginho does incredibly well when he when he does play, but you'd probably be looking for a long term upgrade on that. Um and we've seen Rice shifted up to the left hand side of the three quite often this season, which is I don't think is, is where he should be playing. It's not where he's best, but but it is possible. So, and, and Bruno, again, you've got a player who can play a range of positions within that midfield 3-2 uh, as the, the deepest midfielder as a more advanced state, just a, a, a magnificent player. So, yeah, playing kind of football manager, it's a good signing. But I, oh, I'd be I think, there. You'd 100% be there in football manager, wouldn't 
I think Newcastle will be doing whatever they can to ensure that players that, that you know that when they do if they are going to lose players they're not going to, to clubs they that they see themselves um competing with for honors at the top end of the Premier League well as luck would have it actually the who scored combined 11 between these two teams is that midfield Gamarez Rice and and Erdegaard, the front three, Saka, Trossard and Anthony Gordon. Almost don't want to do the back line and the goalkeeper because I'm just not sure that it's going to go down very well <sighs> at all. The goalkeeper is Dubravka, Trippier right back, which is fine. Gabriel and Cher at centre-half, who scored putting them the wrong way round, in my opinion, oh, as well with Gabriel. I've got the wrong centre-backs. Mm. Yeah, I can't have that. And then mm. left-back, despite the fact he's had a torrid time recently, according to my eyes, is Danber. What I, what I will say here, it's obviously, obviously if you're going to create a, a backline, Saliba is going to be in it. Um, yeah. But for whatever reason... Cher scored a couple of goals recently. The, the, the statistics hate Williams. Like, they, <laughs> they cannot capture William Saliba's brilliance. No matter what algorithm I look at, no matter what stats I look at, it never translates. He's one of those players that, that just, the spreadsheets don't understand, Dan, and it's, it's a travesty. Um, but I just want to make that clear that Saliba should be in this team. Someone who's not in Newcastle's team at the moment, Sam, is Joe Linton. He feels like a huge miss, actually, yeah. defensively. And I do think this them suddenly shipping goals. It's not a coincidence that the all action Joe Linton is not there. Yeah, I think I think um, Dan Byrne looking an awful lot more like he does in our mind's eye. You know, when you sort of draw up the key battles in your head and you're like, Dan Byrne, he's going to get rinsed. Yeah, and for the like, going to get at him. <laughs> for like 18 months, it didn't happen, but it's starting to happen. And I think it, it started with Ogbené and he hasn't really recovered ever since. And I'm pretty sure there's a knock-on effect from the absence of Joel Linton at play here. I, I really do think that that's the case. Because if you're not pressing as effectively and as aggressively, then you're not protecting your back line as effectively, right? And Dan Byrne is, is, is a slow part of the back line. And the, the pressing works in, 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 for, for multiple reasons. It's not just about high turnovers. It's about making sure that those defenders aren't caught in difficult situations and protecting them too. So the fact that they've lost this, 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 this workhorse physical force in midfield here on the left side, the left eight, uh, just ahead of the left back. It, it's not a coincidence for me. And it, it's really, it's a real shame for them that, that Joel Linton is, is bursting into form and looking so, so good. And then bang, gone. But it's been the story of their season, actually, really, hasn't it, for Newcastle? Yeah, he's, he has been a big miss, hasn't, hasn't he, George? I know they've got other players mi- missing as well, but he, he does feel like that biggest miss. Yeah, he does. A crazy thing that you would never would have thought you'd be saying um, a couple of seasons ago. Um, but... Yeah, I mean, they've. It just just felt like for Newcastle, their inability to get into some kind of a rhythm or a groove has really cost them this season with the, with the constant injuries. Um, you know, I know I said earlier that <clears throat> I get a point frustrating when managers um, consistently point to injuries as being reasons for individual poor performances. But with Newcastle, there's there's undoubtedly been a, a consistent churn of key players missing on a, on almost a cycle. So, um, yeah, they they missed it massively. But I, I do think there are kind of more. Um, systematic issues at, at Newcastle at the moment where their good form last season at the beginning of this season was just based on on, on a really strong defensive unit and their their underlying numbers the XG numbers defensively were, were so strong like last season that their XG ratio had them third in the league um, like when you compare that to an Aston Villa for example who are, are fairly consistently overperforming their underlying numbers which I think is in itself like when you are a team like Newcastle or a Villa and you're having to bridge a massive gap towards the likes of, of Liverpool, Arsenal and Manchester United, it's not that surprising that you probably have to have a, 
a bit of a, a clinical edge or a slice of luck in order to do so. But with Newcastle last season, it wasn't the case. Whereas now um, the underlying numbers are poor and they are conceding loads of chances, as we mentioned. And I, and I kind of think that it's easy for us to sit here and be like, oh, well, you know, Bruno was out for a while. John Linton's out now. They've had so many injury issues. But I think there are probably issues that run a little bit deeper than that in, in terms of the way that they're setting up. Or, 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 or possibly just the way that, that the teams are approaching playing them with, with 18 months worth of of kind of data to go on mm. over over Eddie Howe's Newcastle that they're, they're starting to be found out a little bit. Yeah, teams do have to remain fluid and, and just make these subtle little little changes to, to stop that kind of thing from happening. And maybe that's something that Newcastle and Eddie Howe haven't done. I do, I do think there's, there's something in that. But let's get the score predictions anyway for this one. George, what have you gone for? 2-0 Arsenal. 2-0 to Arsenal, Sam? 1-0 to Arsenal. And I've gone for 3-0 to Arsenal. How do we feel about this after last night? Because I did these predictions before last night, as in the yeah, Porto I game. The... I, did. I, I still feel the same. Mm. I still feel the same. Arsenal at home, in the goals at the moment in the Premier League. Mm. Fans behind them. Newcastle shipping. I'm confident in my 3-0 prediction. I wouldn't change that if I got the opportunity to now. Would you change yours if you got the chance? You can't, but if you got the chance. Nah, because I can't. There you go. <laughs> right the then, let's do the, Let's do the rest of our predictions then, starting with Villa against Forest. And I'll go first for this one. I've gone for 2-0 to Villa. No. Sam, what have you gone for? Sorry, what, what was that, George? No, I've done I've done the same. Uh, two, um, just, oh. George has done 2-0 to Villa as well. well Sam, I've gone done? for 2-1 to Villa. 2-1 to Villa. Villa don't keep many clean sheets, in fairness. Brighton against uh, Everton, please, Sam. 3-1 to Brighton. Exactly the same here. 3-1 to Brighton. George? 2-1 Brighton. 2-1 Brighton. Uh, Palace v Burnley. Sam Ties Crystal Palace. What have you gone for, George? 2-0 Palace. 2-0 Palace, Sam? Yeah, 1-0 to Palace. The Glasner bump. I've gone for 2-1 to Crystal Palace in that one. United against Fulham. I've gone for 3-0 to Manchester United, George. Wow. 1-0. 2-2. 2-2, okay. Well, I didn't think that 3-0 prediction was that outlandish. But maybe, <laughs> um, maybe it is. I'm trying to be more sensible with my predictions after you've, you've all caught me up, but maybe that wasn't a sensible one. Uh, Bournemouth against Manchester City, please, Sam. Uh, 3-2 to City. 3-2 to City. That's an outlandish one. Yeah. Good. 2-1 City. I've gone for 2-1 to Manchester City as well. We've done Arsenal against Newcastle. So Wolves against Sheffield United, the big game on Sunday that George, of course, will be watching. So I'll let you go first. 3-1 to Wolves. 3-1 to Wolves. Uh, Sam? Yeah, same. 3-1 to Wolves. Wolves. And I've gone for 2-0 to Wolverhampton Wanderers. Uh, West Ham-Brentford, finally, then. I've gone for 1-1, Sam. (laughs) So have I. So So have I. Yes, I think we can say I'll still be tough. At the, you, the are, you, are you paying? Are you paying Sam to send? Not that Sam, but no, uh, a production team Sam, who scored Sam to to send us, send you our predictions, so you right. can just pick the ones you like. So I sent my predictions in at ten fifty seven. Ten fifty five. There you go. So you had two minutes to do it. <laughs> you can know why you got yours in that quickly. I, I'm going to send. I, I'm going to send you a screenshot. Oh, you did. You did it quick. <laughs> That's really rocked him. <laughs> quick. I thought I felt like I did it immediately, but maybe I take a bit more time to ponder mine. Whereas George, you, get, bang, 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 bang. you get you get you get a point, don't you, for being the first in? 
So. Yeah, you do. Yeah. Oh, that's definitely not the definitely not the case. <laughs> never, never been the case. Right then, let's go on that bombshell. Let's let, let's leave it. Right. Thank you very much to the guys for joining me. Always a pleasure to spend <clears> an hour talking to you both. And thanks to everyone that's tuned in and either watched or listened as well. Wherever you are taking in these shows, please do all the stuff that helps us grow. The main one being subscribe. If you're watching and you're not subscribed, please can you go ahead and and do that and get some likes on there as well. Let's try and get treble figures for likes this week if we can. We'll be back next next week as we always are to preview the Premier League action once more a bit of rotation on the panel as well as there as there always is I presume Jonathan will be in for be in for Sam next week so yeah so watch out for that show but if you are subscribed you'll know exactly when that show's out enjoy all the football at the weekend including the cup final as well and do go back and check the cup final video out that we did previewing that if you haven't done so already have a great weekend mm-hmm.